Amen. He's alive. All right. Woo. Yes. Forever and ever and ever, never to taste death again. Right? And because of that, sure, we, well, I don't know the way the days are going. We just may not taste death again. But um, we get to raise to life as well. John said this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 to 18. He wrote, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw someone like a son of man dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, white as snow. His eyes were like a blazing fire. His feet were bronze, glowing as in a furnace. His voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. And his face was shining like the sun in all of its brilliance. Sounds like some worship lyrics, right? Yeah. They always steal from the scriptures. Gotta come original worship people. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> in verse 17, John said, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if though I was dead. And then he reached out. He placed his right hand on me. And he said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, but now look, I'm alive forever and ever. Woo! And without a doubt, Jesus is alive today. He's alive. He's risen. We serve a God like no other. There is no other God in any religion, because we know they're all false, you know, that ever gave himself completely for the benefit of his creation. Only the one true living God could love us that much, willing to give himself completely. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the one who was, who is, and who forevermore will be, right? He is the only thing in this life that is unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever. The only one we can really rely on. Jesus was born like us in this flesh. Yet he was born of the Holy Spirit. Not born in sin the way that we were. It's the only difference. He was born not in sin. He was fully God and fully man. Then he lived his life in our flesh. He dealt with all the same things that we deal with. Every same temptation, every same struggle, every same weightiness. And yet he overcame everything at every turn. There was nothing that could get our Jesus down, right? <laughs> not even death could hold him down enemy had to think that he won for those three days, right? Can you imagine what the kingdom of darkness was like when he rose again from that grave? <laughs> I just laugh thinking about it because he's a defeated enemy, right? There's nothing that can stop us, nothing that can stand against us. He then, after living a perfect sinless life, guilty of nothing, willingly gave his life on the cross. Couldn't be stolen from him. He had to give it. He paid a debt that we owe. He bore our sin and our shame so that we might be forgiven and set free. And then we all know the story three days later from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 8. 
It says that on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared for his uh, body. Then they went to the tomb, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they're wondering about all of this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember, remember how he told you that he was, while he was still with you in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners. He must be crucified. Then on the third day, be raised again to life. And then they remembered his words. You see, and that's what I love about this beautiful thing that God gave us called the church. Life comes at us so hard and so fast that we forget what the Lord has said. We forget what the Lord has promised. We forget what his kingdom holds for us. And so we need each other to remember the words of Jesus, to remember the promises of God, so that we can lift each other up whenever life gets us down, right? Remembering you're not who you used to be. You've been risen again into new life, right? Because now, now, By simple faith in Jesus, the work that he accomplished through his death and resurrection, we can also raise again to new life. We were born once of flesh, but we can be born again of the Holy Spirit. Born again. Born not into sin, but born like Jesus, into a full and abundant life, fully empowered by the Spirit. So we don't have to submit to sin and temptation any longer. So we don't have to submit to the things that bring death into our lives. We are born again as a victor, as an overcomer in life. We are more than conquerors, according to God's word. That person who we were, even when we walked through these doors, even if you've been a Christian longer than I've been alive, today is still a day that we get an opportunity to cast off that old self, that old flesh, right? And to embrace the new life that Jesus gave us, that he paid a high, high price to provide Right here and right now is an opportunity for every single one of us to put to death those old selves, crucifying the flesh on the cross, and raising up into a new life. Today, whenever our old selves try to trip us up again, because it's going to happen, right? Whenever the devil tries to lie to us and put all your guilt and shame back on you, and who do you think you are? You know, you, know, you deserve this. This is, this is God's punishment. This is his wrath for what you're going through. When the enemy starts lying to you like that, or when you go out in this community and people just keep remembering that old person that you were, all those mistakes that you made, right? That old person that you were bound and addicted and, you know, maybe not always told the truth. Whenever all those, that, those things of your past start rising up again, we can just be like that angel at the tomb and ask them, why do you look for the living among the dead, right? What are you talking about? Who is that person? Because this is our truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old's gone. The new is here. (laughs) Yeah. And what I love about the kingdom of God is that it is always new. It is always fresh. Every day, his mercies, his grace, his love is new. So it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It's a new day. A fresh start, right? Fresh start right here, right now, today. And so whenever those things of your past try to trip you up, you can just ask, but why are you looking for the living among the dead? I'm a new life. 
This is a new person. That old person's dead and gone. I don't know who you're talking about, right? Right? I mean, you must be mistaken. You must be confused. You, you, you must have me confused with someone else because that, that ain't me. That's not who I am. That, that person, I, I think I remember them, but they're dead and gone. They're not here anymore. I'm a new person, right? Why do you look for the living among the dead? And if I could be honest, followers of Christ, right? Why do we so often do that? Why, why do we look among the dead to find life, to find hope, to find the strength and the perseverance that we need? Why not go to the living one, right? Jesus, risen from the dead. The Apostle Paul explained our salvation like this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Um, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, who gave himself for me. So literally, the next time that old zombie self starts trying to rise up, you can ask that question. Why do you look for living among the dead, right? What are you talking about? Who are you looking for? That's not me. That's not who I am. Because Jesus is alive. And the last time that Jesus came, he came not to judge or to condemn us. And I know I'm all over the place here. He came to save us. We all know John 3.16, right? But you got to go on to the good stuff, John 3.17. He didn't just die and give his life you know, to save the whole world through him. He came so that we might be saved, to save us, to deliver us, to heal us, to make us new, right? He came literally not to judge or condemn us, but to save us. Jesus came to fulfill all that God requires He's the only one that ever lived in this flesh righteously. If you ever read the beginning, not even Adam and Eve could get it right. He's the only one who ever lived in this flesh the perfect life. He fulfilled everything that God required. He lived a righteous life. And then he freely gives, imparts his righteousness to us. Not only did he do all these things for us so that we can be saved, so that we can call on him and receive our salvation, he did it so that he can totally and completely relate to us. We don't love and serve a God who looks down on us in our sin. When we talk about our sin separating us from God, think about the, Eden, uh, the Garden of Eden. Sin separates us from God. Not that God sticks his nose up at us and doesn't want anything to do with us because we're just dirty, filthy wretches, you know. He pursued Adam and Eve in the garden in their sin. Who was it that ran, it was Adam and Eve, from God because of their sin and shame, right? Sin separates us from God because we run away from God. God doesn't want that. He wants us to run to him in our mess so that we can clean him up. Whenever your kids are suffering and hurting and wounded, you don't want them hiding it in shame. You want them to come to you freely, confessing whatever it is that they did so that you can clean them up and help them get through it. And that's what our loving Heavenly Father wants to do for each one of us. He wants us to come running to him so that he can cover our sin and shame, so that his righteousness can be um, a covering over us, a protection, a shelter, a safety, and a refuge from this world. We love and serve the one true living God who did everything that he could to love us, to serve us, and to save us. He can totally and completely relate to us. In fact, in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 to 16, it says this. If God, um, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. 
That can be a frightening thing if you're trying to run from God. Nothing is hidden. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. There's a weightiness there, a reality there. And he says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive the mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That's a beautiful picture of who our God is. Not what all the religious organizations say that he is, and you got to clean up your act before you come to him. This is what the Word of God says about our God. This is what Jesus says of himself. There is nothing you can share with Jesus that, first of all, he doesn't already know. Second of all, that he can't relate to. He knows where you're at because he's been there. He was tempted and he was tried and he understands the weakness of this flesh and how easy it is to fall into sin, sometimes not even intending to. He knows how hard it is to break free from sin once you're bound by it. He doesn't shame and condemn you. He offers grace and mercy and forgiveness to clean up your life and to empower you to rise above it. His grace empowers you to live a life that you could never live on your own. And he paid a high price to be able to pour out that grace flood over your life. He didn't rise again to sit on his throne of king and kings and lord and lords to sit in the seat of judgment against us. Back in Romans chapter 8 verse 31 to 34 it says that if God's for us, who can be against us? Isn't that a great feeling? Things may try to rise up against you, but nothing, nothing can succeed against you. No weapon form will prosper, right? In verse 32, we have this reminder. He who did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? Because it's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life. He is at the right hand of God and he is interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for you. He's rooting for you. He's cheering for you. He always hopes. He always trusts. He always perseveres. He is for you and not against you. He is your defender. The scriptures say that the enemy stands before the throne of God accusing you day and night accusing you reminding the heavenly father of how boneheaded and sinful and arrogant and prideful and lustful and you know bound and addicted you really are that's what the enemy does day and night reminds him of your past but jesus just picture this courtroom scene the enemy's standing there he's the prosecutor he's accusing you before the father but jesus is your defender he defends you he's like i don't know who you're talking about I don't know who you're talking about. That, that's not the person I know because I say this and this and this over this person, right? You've got a defender. Now that's what's happening today. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day when Jesus does switch from the defense and sits on the great white throne. That's not what we call it. 
<laughs> when he sits in the seat of judgment and you got to give an account for your life, right now his salvation is available to each and every one of us. But we've got to receive it here and now in this flesh and in this life. Because once you're standing in the courtroom and Jesus is the judge, that's it. Your defender's gone. Your chance and opportunity of salvation disappears. So we've got to do everything we can. Not just to run to Jesus ourselves, because we are so in need of his salvation every day. But we also, we've got to let people know that his salvation is available here and now today. Today is the day of salvation. And when tomorrow comes, guess what? Today is the day of salvation. As long as today is called today, is how the Bible puts it. Today's the day of salvation. It's a new day. It's a fresh start. You don't have to be the person that you were yesterday. You don't have to be the person you were five minutes ago. It's an opportunity to embrace the new life. To be the person that Jesus says you are. Hell doesn't have to be our destiny. Condemnation does not have to be our reality. There is a way, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the only way to receive it all. And all we got to do is put our faith in him. He does all the work. He did all the work. He said it's finished on the cross. And whenever you give your life to him, all that he does is applies what happened on the cross into your life. He does all the work. He fills you with the Holy Spirit. He cleans up your life. He convicts you of sin and righteousness. He does, all the, he does everything. We have like the easiest job in the world, and yet... It's easy to preach, but I know whenever I live it out, you know, whenever I walk out these doors, it isn't so easy to surrender my life to Jesus and let him be Lord, right? But it's the only way to walk in the fullness of your salvation, the full abundance of life, is just to let him be Lord, let him have control. And so we have a choice, and we're going to take the time right here and right now to make that choice to choose life. That's what God said to his people in Deuteronomy, right? Yeah. I said it before you today. It's your choice. God doesn't force anyone to do anything because he loves us. True love doesn't force itself on anyone, right? It allows the other to choose. And that's what Jesus wants, a relationship. It's a choice. He's done everything. He's made a way where there is no other way. And he's cheering you on, but you got to walk it. you got to walk in the Spirit you got to walk it out. He's right there with you. It, just as he did for John in Revelation, his right hand is extended to save you, to deliver you, to restore you, to give you new life. He will freely and abundantly give you all things from his kingdom. All the love you could ever want. The peace that your soul so desperately longs for. Joy. Joy. Indescribable and unstoppable. All these things are freely offered to us if we just choose to receive it. And to walk in it. And so let's just not walk out of these doors and forget that reality of what he has done for you and who you are in him. You are a new creation as long as you allow him to do that, right? And so let's just pray together. So Jesus, this morning, you know, you know the things that are on my heart, on my mind that just keep stealing my peace away. You know the things in my life and in my heart that I just can't seem to rise above. Those things that just keep tripping me up. Those things that I know I need rid of, but man, do I enjoy. So Lord, I'm just offering up myself to you just as I am. Broken, weak, tempted, 
Jesus, this morning I give you all. And I receive all that your kingdom has for me. From now on, I no longer want to call the shots in my life. Jesus, guide and direct me. Teach me. Help me to walk the way that you walked in this flesh. Victorious. Empowered. Not only being free, but setting people free. Help me to love people that everyone else has turned their back on and rejected. Help me to extend hope to the hopeless and life to those who think life is no longer worth living, Lord. Help me to lift the weight of oppression and the veil of depression off of people's lives so they can see how much they're loved, how much they're cared for. So they can see you for who you truly are, Jesus. Because you are faithful. Faithful. You are our restorer. You are our rewarder. You are the one that never gives up. So faithful and great are you, Lord. So, Lord, when people see our lives, our hope is that they see your work in them. Sure, they see the mess that we are at times, but they see the work that you're doing in the midst of it. Thank you, Jesus, for never giving up on us, for defending us, for interceding for us, and for freely offering us all things for this new life in your name. Amen. He is risen. Amen. Yeah. Now go walk in that new life. Have some fun in it.